you have trouble getting on Twitter, Netflix, or Spotify last week? For most of Friday, a company that provides a critical piece of the Internet's infrastructure fell under an immense digital attack that overloaded its networks with phony traffic. But the hackers actually used physical devices like routers, DVRs, and other so-called Internet of Things tools to pull off the hack. With nearly 30 billion devices, from cars to smart homes and pacemakers, set to come online by the end of the decade, security researchers are taking action to make sure that last week's attack isn't the sign of more bad things to come. I'm Jack Detch, a reporter with Pasco, the Christian Science Monitor's section on security and privacy in the digital age. On this extra episode of the Cybersecurity Podcast, we'll take a look back at Passcode's recent Security of Things forum in Boston. We hosted hackers, tinkerers, and security experts who shed light on the challenges of preparing for a deluge of connected devices. And I'm here to bring you some of the highlights. So before we launch into the spate of potential software flaws in connected devices, it's important to note one thing. In many ways, those gadgets can make life easier for people with medical conditions, explains Kevin Fu of healthcare security startup Verta Labs. Before wireless was common in medical devices, the way you would change the settings in a pacemaker is the physician would tell the patient to lift up their arm, plunge a needle through their armpit to twist a dial to change the heart rate. Or, as Assistant Secretary of Homeland Security Robert Silvers puts it, Anybody who's spoken with someone who suffers from diabetes and spoken to them about the way that a connected insulin pump has improved their life, wouldn't want to throw cold water on any of this. And in fact, while media reports often hone in on vulnerabilities in new devices, Fu worries that many of the flaws we're facing today are a decade old. Some of the problems in medical devices have been baked in 10 years ago. We're living with that technical debt. We're living with that legacy. Um, and we're going to have some hokey solutions uh, in, in, the, uh, in the meantime. Those solutions don't even begin to address the scope of the problem. For one, many healthcare providers, says Dr. Julian Goldman, medical director of biomedical engineering for Partners Healthcare System, don't even know what medical devices they have hooked up to the Internet. With most modern medical devices, we can't run a network check and look at the, and learn the kind of information that you could learn from, uh, from computers that are on a network. We can't see, we, we don't have uh, the visibility into the um, latest patches to the operating system of a, of a medical device, for example, and a host of other things like that on the one hand. On the other hand, sometimes it's too easy to get access to medical <laughs> devices on a network because there's maybe a single password uh, for all the medical devices from that manufacturer. But even more troubling than what's getting hooked up to the Internet, such as defibrillators, pacemakers, and insulin pumps, are the habits of healthcare professionals, says Fu. You know, you don't mix the crown jewels with your lunch in the safe, right? You know, you're, you're mixing things that aren't supposed to be mixed, beer in particular. It's also opening Pandora's box. Um, but uh, uh, it's surprising to me, you'll find these kinds of things occurring in clinical settings all the time. I've seen physicians checking their Gmail uh, on some of the same machines being used to treat patients. Um, Clinicians are no different from you. They, uh, if you think you have any bad security habits, they probably have the same distribution of bad security habits. And if that's not bad enough, Fu adds, people are putting too much trust in faulty security tools. The, the thing um, I, I sort of uh, do facepalm is when I hear someone say, well, we just put up a firewall so we, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, that's kind of like saying, you know, we don't have to worry about flu because I bought some tissues. Um, you know, it, it's that firewall. Um, Malware will find a way in. The question is not, 
can we keep malware out? The question is, how well will your clinical facilities tolerate a malware infection? Because what you want is a graceful failure. You don't want your systems to be catastrophically failing from one single piece of malware. To solve the problem, you need something else, talent. And hackers that sign up for bug bounty programs such as HackerOne to root out software flaws have trouble getting into Internet of Things devices says the company's chief marketing officer, Rajesh Krishnan. So we talked to one of those top hackers and it's like, hey, you know what? For all the extra effort involved to get set up on IoT, it's going to be an extra, I'll need more money to even consider this. So about $1,000 is what is feeling correct out there. And that's not all they need to budget for, Krishnan says. They have to set up time, they have to do recon, they have to actually hack for, for hours or weeks sometimes before people find some fantastic stuff, and they have to spend some money out of pocket. For IoT, that's, that's even larger. What's more, Krishnan says, even if they put in all that effort, hackers hoping to fix flaws in IoT devices just don't know what they're going to get. At the end of all this, from a hacker's point of view, is they don't know what they're going to get. That's, that's the magical briefcase from Pulp Fiction that just lights up when you, and no one, they never really talk about what it is. I mean, you could find a vuln, go back and forth with a team for weeks and to get some clarifying details, and then it's $500 and you thought it would be 5,000. Even then, it will still be difficult. But independent hacker Travis Goodspeed has an idea for a potential solution. Get hackers interested in starting with IoT devices by breaking old-school hackable devices, like Texas Instrument calculators or Tamagotchis. Only then, he says, will security get better. And the tricks that they use also apply toward the embedded systems that you do care about defending, the things that run your business, the things that might be attacked. And there's good news, says Goodspeed. Once hackers have learned to break into those devices, they can begin to suss out vulnerabilities in the internet-connected devices that we'll be trusting our lives with. The, the tricks themselves don't die. And junk hacking, uh, the hacking of things that like, officially don't matter, allows us to talk about the mechanism that actually allowed it to happen while stepping back from the, the moralizing. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Cybersecurity Podcast, a project by New America and Passcode. And join us next month when we interview some of cybersecurity's biggest leaders and thinkers. And be sure to subscribe to us on New America's iTunes and SoundCloud at the Cybersecurity Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about digital threats to internet-connected devices, sign up for Passcode at csmpasscode.com. This podcast was directed by Tim Malone with production assistance from Noel Flat. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from New America and the Christian Science Monitor. This recording carries a Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Music thanks to MK2 for their songs The Big Score and Cold Killa. To learn more about Passcode by the Christian Science Monitor, please visit passcode.csmonitor.com. To learn more about New America, please visit newamerica.org.